All right, hey guys, it's Will here. Welcome back here to Res Roots. Um, my uh, video guy's not here, Emmanuel, so there's really not going to be no video. So you're in good good hands, Dino. <laughs> yeah, I have a face made for radio. <laughs> That's what helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's just going to be me and Dino today. We're just going to be just chilling, talking, and kind of see what the Lord's been doing in both of our lives. And yeah, so just want to. Hand it over to Dino and just have you introduce yourself and how you've been doing. Thanks, Will. Yeah. I appreciate you inviting me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Always enjoy talking to you and hanging out, and it's always a good time to be on the podcast. For the Navajo people out there, yate, um, so to all my relations out there, hello, yate, and I hope you're having a good day and a good time, and just want to be able to talk about what God's doing and uh, just thankful for what I'm doing. I did want to talk a little bit about uh, Broken Arrow, and uh, camp is going to be starting here coming in the summer. We got uh, another summer of camp at Broken Arrow Bible Ranch, which is just 20 miles south of Gallup, New Mexico. And uh, we are looking at the first day of camp to come for campers is June the 12th. And the last week is for, for teens, and that'll be the first week of August. So we got eight weeks of camp coming up. There is a short week of camp that's going to happen on July 4th. So the day after July 4th, we're having a short camp, and that'll actually cost a little less. I think if I am not mistaken, our camps are $100 per camper, which um, is really cheap because most camps charge anywhere from three to $400 for camp. So we're, we do really well with um, getting kids to come, but we really want to make it affordable for those that can't really afford something like that. And uh, also it's a plug for uh, people who want to serve Jesus, and uh, you have to be at least 16 years old to serve at camp. And what I've always said to people is it's the, it's the hardest work you'll ever love because uh, we see God do some really good things, and it's not easy. You can talk to any of the staff. It's not an easy work that they do there, but the eternal rewards that they get um, last for them a lifetime and beyond. And so it's really good to have the opportunity to have some of these students come and be a part of it. And uh, even some IBC students have been a part of it in the past. And uh, we know we've given uh, so many of these young people an opportunity for ministry, and it's been really good. But uh, so grateful to IBC for the opportunity they give us to not only present our ministry, but to have a place for the kids that we work with to come and get biblical training and to get discipleship, which I know you're a part of as well. And uh, thank you, Will, for the opportunity just to share a little bit about camp and looking forward to it. Our orientation week starts the week before that. So the week of June the 5th is when we start, actually the 4th, the Sunday, June the 4th was when we start our orientation week. But uh, get your applications in. Uh, call the camp. The camp number is uh, 505-778-5526. And if you'd rather do it through uh, the Internet, it's www.uim.org. And there's a link there that clicks you to the Broken Arrow Bible Ranch uh, website. I think the Broken Arrow Bible Ranch website is being updated, so I don't know if it's the same address or not. But you can do that as well. Or... Feel free to contact anybody you know who's Broken Arrow staff alumni or people who are involved with the camp or who know of the camp to get you the information to come. So we'd love to see whoever can come and be a part of us this summer to, to do that as well. Mm.
Tell you've done that for a long time. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Got to memorize. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't just do it because yeah, I do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like I. I've been doing it now for 22 years. Mm. You know, my wife and I've been a part of the camp since 2000, and uh, every year it feels like it's the same that we're doing every time. But every year is so different. Much like I know you've been on Eagles Wings with WLS and Ron Hutchcraft Ministries and all that doing OE Dub, and I know every year it's the same. They go load up in the bus, go ahead and go to a different reservation or reserve or wherever it may be, and they dive right in. But it's a whole different experience every time. And some of the things that God does. So it's good to know that, you know, even though the the uh, situations change and sometimes the hardships are a little different, um, that doesn't make them better or worse. But sometimes, you know, different trips have different, you know, outcomes and situations. But God doesn't change, yeah, sure. and God takes care of us in that way. So it's been uh, good. And I, years ago, years ago, when Ron first did the first OE dub, my wife and I were a part of that. And it's come a long, long ways since the first time we did it. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because um, it, it just allowed us to see what good God is doing you know, through those things and how people are not only coming to know Jesus, but... Young people, young native people who are part of that get, really get to see, you know, God at work. And I like to call that organic and in real time. God in real time is an amazing thing, and I'm sure you've seen that. You've gone to different reservations and reserves. So um, I'm just really happy having had a part of it. And still, I think, if Brad is okay with it, I'm going to be able to go back and do some battle councils. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, that's it's crazy too, you know, thinking about you know serving, serving the Lord, uh, being on a part of On Eagles Wings. I remember my first year being at OE Dove was 2014, and you know I was 17 years old and fairly new in the faith, and I was I was kind of like, how did I get on the team? You know, I was like, and it was it was crazy though. Is when I was at the time I didn't know it was you know, called serving, you know, serving the Lord. I just was nervous at first of going to people on the reservation and be like, hey, like, when someone gets to share their testimony, they're talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done in their life. And then I go to someone like, what do you think of that story? And that was like nerve wracking for me. I was like, uh. And knowing like growing up in traditional background myself was, I think it was hard for me to, overcome that because like from where I live like Christianity was came off the wrong way mm-hmm. and so like I felt like am I coming off the wrong way or am I like and I really battled a lot with it but as years go on being on the team and serving with them it's been the thing about serving that I finally realized for myself is there'll be those moments when you're serving the Lord it will come to a moment where like you feel like you have to do it mm. you know it's, it's like, you know, let's get over with like, let's, let's get done you know or, and there'll be those moments where it was like one of my last few years of being on the team I was like I just want to <laughs> finish the rest of July I'm almost at the end of July and those moments are but there was a moment, though, uh, it was one of my last years of OE Dub, and 
finish the last res and we, you know, we do our celebration day and just reflecting back on what the Lord has done and watching the video that uh, Justin Glore always, he always does an amazing job on the videos and it was crazy because God was like reminding me like this is what we get to do mm. serving the Lord you know, he's like, like what an amazing opportunity and Serving the Lord should be bringing joy. You know what I mean? And that was, Absolutely. It, it definitely like challenged me in a way. Because even now as being a part of Student Life Intern and being a student transitioning over to staff, even that has been challenging me, but also reminding God's been reminding me that this is something that I get to do and serve the Lord in this way as discipling and mentoring and just being a part of the brotherhood brotherhood here, you know, and being coming along coming alongside my brothers and mm. so it's been crazy of how the Lord works and it's just an amazing opportunity to get to serving, you know. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get you. I remember those days back in the day. That was for me. How old are you now? Well uh twenty six. Man, when I was twenty six and I was I actually remember at twenty six I would travel around the Navajo Res at times. I would go and I would start at somebody's camp meeting, right, and go there on either on a Sunday night or a Monday night and just start doing VBS in the morning, some youth activities in the evening. And sometimes they'd do stuff in the afternoon. They'd have stuff for kids and young people. But most of the time it was morning and evening. And I remember just doing that all week and just being with kids. We'd always start off with like, you know, seven or eight. And then it would get bigger and get all the way till Saturday, Friday, Saturday night. And we'd have like 150, 160 kids there. And it was so cool, but at the same time, it was like, how are we going to do this? There's only like three of us here. So we tried to divide it up and give them something to, to work on. But I remember those days being able to just, you know, get all that done, function on two or three hours of sleep and do the next day. And can't do that anymore. But I remember being, you know, so stoked about what God was doing and the lives of the kids and who was getting it and who was not. And I still remember there's a lot of these kids that I run into now. You know, they're they're all my age now. They're all in their forties and fifties and they tell me, Oh yeah, my son's doing this or my daughter or my even now my grandkids, my grandkids are, <laughs> I ran into somebody who came to camp uh, not too long ago and I said, Hey, what are you doing here? And he says, Yeah, my my granddaughter turned eight and she's coming to camp. I'm like Oh, man, yeah. granddaughter. Oh, wow. Now I feel old. <laughs> but it just, you know, it just kind of showed that, you know, the evidence of God's work in their lives and, you know, that it was had continued down from them to their child and then to their grandchild, you know. So it was really good to see the faithfulness of God in that and how he really touched the lives of these, of these people. And um, I got so many stories to tell about stuff that I used to do like that, but... It was in many ways it was a very much a learning experience that I, I didn't really understand completely. I was just trying to be obedient, you know. And I, I look at what you guys would do with OE Dub or WLS or even Broken Arrow and I just see providing opportunities for young people to experience God in a real tangible way, you know. There's nothing that replaces that, you know. Because even when we're being told, hey, this is what God does, this is what the Bible says, but it really doesn't have any meaning until it happens to us personally. 
And that's the one thing that I know that um, we at Broken Arrow, and I know when we had time with OEW and at WLS, we're giving God an opportunity to um, respond to people who are reaching out to him, but also if there's confusion about something or if there's you know, uh, misinformation that needs to get the truth brought into it and let the truth sort it out kind of a thing. So I've been blessed in that way so, so many times and so much. And uh, I just have been appreciative of everybody that gives us an opportunity to share. And, you know, it's always, it's always hard to do WLS in the summertime because my heart and my mind is just focused on Broken Arrow and doing the lead counseling there. But it, it is a welcome uh, breath of fresh air just to be able to come out of that and then to go do something else. It takes a little bit of transition. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you know, just seeing what God is doing and the lives that are being changed and being able to reconnect with people and, you know, just having those opportunities have just been amazing all the way around. So really, really happy and thankful to the Lord for how he's orchestrated all that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a question that came to mind that I wanted to ask you was, so how many years have you been doing ministry? Officially, with name, our parent organization, uh, North America Indigenous Ministries, we've been with them since 2001. So we came, we were with YWAM doing their discipleship training school, their DTS, and we did our lecture phase and our outreach phase, and we came back in the uh, winter, early spring of 2000. And then we went to Broken Arrow that summer and helped out as much as we could, you know, with whatever we could help out with. And then we um, officially became part of Name the year after that. And um, that's when Steve Knox invited us to become the lead counselors, and that's how we got started there. And I'll always be grateful to Steve for um, the invite because he really wanted someone who knew the people and knew the area and was really committed to discipleship. And so he saw that in us, and he put us in there. And, and um, I'll always be grateful to him for that opportunity. Because a lot of that, quite honestly, was things that we struggled with was people didn't recognize our gifting. Like, it's like trying to make a pilot, you know, drive a tractor instead of putting him in, in, a, in the cockpit of a plane so he can go do his ministry through, through the plane ministry. And it's like, you put him behind a tractor, he could probably figure it out and do it. But that's not what he was meant to do. He was meant to do that. And so um, all of the things that we were able to do, you know, I really looked back at Steve and really grateful for that because he was the one who gave us a chance to learn how to become leaders. So, but in reality, ever since I came to know the Lord and really committed my life to him for real, I was 17. So since I was 17, so I'm 55 right now. So that's, do the math, that's what, 34? 38 years, something like that. So, you know, I've been doing ministry to and with Native young people and kids and all that for that long. So it doesn't feel that long in some cases. It only feels like long in my head. But in my heart, it, it really shows just um, how, how, how fast time really goes. You know, time really is fleeting. Time is a breath. Yeah, so the, the follow-up to that is... And uh, you know, it was that many years. It's amazing. Because uh, for me, as going into the only ministry that I ever actually really experienced was honestly OE Dub. I never 
experience. Oh, actually, the Young Life Ministry here in Flagstaff, and then the homeless shelter. Now, now it's all coming together. Okay, <laughs> I'm not coming blank there, but uh, all that within a span of five or six years or so. But the question I wanted to ask you though was, what are the like what kind of obstacles that you had while serving in ministry? And that's a loaded question because there's a lot that I could go into, but um, for the most part, you know, the obstacle, um, to be perfectly honest, was the biggest one was me. I was my own worst enemy in many cases. Um, doubt, self-doubt, wondering, you know, what they call imposter syndrome now. You know, are you really, is this what you're really supposed to be doing? Is you really qualified to do this? That kind of a thing. And uh, because I have an older brother who's just amazingly talented, an amazing leader, and uh, I've always grown up wanting to be like my brother. And uh, he's still my role model. And uh, it just felt like at the time, it seemed to be everything he touched turned to gold, you know. And I wanted to be like that. But when sometimes that stuff didn't happen, it just doubt would come in, say, am I really supposed to be doing this? Am I really, you know, am I really qualified to do this? Am I supposed to lead? And quite honestly, I got involved in leadership in a way that um, it was like I was in a group and they said, we need someone to lead this. And I'm looking around going, nobody's raising their hands, nobody wants to do it. I said, I'll give it a shot. And I've been doing that ever since. You know, I'll give it a shot. And I've come to the point now where I've done leadership enough that I, I know kind of what where God has put me and how he's gifted me to do some of these things. So that's what I do. Um, but problems early on was just self-doubt, first and foremost. Can I really do this? And it just took a lot of encouragement from different people as well as opportunities. And I think that sometimes you don't get opportunities because of the color of your skin, but sometimes it's because of the color of your skin that you do get opportunities. And that's always been a tension for me. And I've always felt like, you know what, I don't want you to give this to me because I'm Navajo or I'm Native. I want you to give it to me because I'm the most qualified person to do that. And if we're just qualifying just on ability to do something, then I'm, I'm okay with doing that job. But if you're just hiring me because I'm a skin, that's, that's a little bit harder for me to take because now you're not really judging by the person, you're judging by the skin. And that was also an early thing. I, had, I worked with some missionaries in the past where they just struggled having Native people in, in charge for whatever reason. And uh, I'm not going to name names, but I've had you know, multiple experiences with multiple ministry organizations over multiple places on the res. And there have been times where I felt like, you know, they're not trying to empower Native people. They're just kind of talking at them or they're um, kind of with the attitude of, oh, you poor Native people, you don't know the truth. You don't know anything. Let me educate you because I'm the one in charge and you need to listen to me as opposed to training them to do it themselves and to giving the, the reins of that whatever to, into their hands. And I didn't see that happening. And it was really at times discouraging because I had grown up in Utah and my parents were very clear about our, you know, our need to academically succeed. So that's what we did, my whole family. We just worked really hard in the classroom and got better at it. And, you know, there was, in many cases, a opportunity for education for all of us that we took advantage of. And we said, yeah, let's go do that and, and, and get to know whatever we need to do. But 
the problems that I ran into was not so much was I qualified. You're not qualified enough. It was um, we're not going to give you this opportunity because we don't think you're ready. Or it might have even been racially motivated. Well, you're a Navajo guy and you don't know that much, so we'll just wait until we feel like you're ready, which could be never in some cases. But I ran into some of that where it was not overt racism at all. It was more prejudice than racism. But getting these missionaries out of the mindset of just because you're native doesn't mean that you don't know. But that can also be turned around to say just because you're not native doesn't mean you can't understand and immerse yourself in native things. Mm -hmm. So it does go both ways, and I recognize that. Because I've also heard people rant about how racist white people are. And I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, yeah, me too. Because I've hated white people for no reason. And that's because that's what I grew up understanding. And then I start reading the New Testament. I look at what Jesus did. I look at how his prophets were treated. and Looking at all these different things about what it means to follow Jesus. And I get it. You know, I get how that works because I'm a, I'm a sinful human being. And I, and I start with humanity first. You know, it's not like you're an elephant and I'm a duck. You know, we're all human beings here, you know. And we got to figure that part of it out. And we got to find points of connection. Otherwise, we're not going to survive. We're going to end up killing each other. And that's happening already, you know. All the school shootings that are happening, people getting shot up at malls, people getting shot up at their place of business or whatever. I mean, it's changing because in some cases we just... We just see color. We don't see humans for whatever reason. And I'd rather be about the human beings and, and be about finding points of connection rather than points of disagreement only. Yeah, uh, the, one of the reasons why I asked that, because I think for me, I, I experienced, uh, I guess, the obstacle of transitioning to uh, staff here at IBC. Um, the reason why... I, it all, how it all started, you know, my desire was to, you know, head home, you know, go back home and find ways to serve my people. And, but I knew deep down God was telling me like, mm, probably not, not just yet. <laughs> then I really just battled with it. I was like, no, I want to go home. You know, I was like, I want to go home. And uh, the crazy thing though, that this is what really, it was kind of like a good, good little spanking from from the Lord. Was do you want to go home to please your family, or do you want to go home to please me, the Lord? And it hit me so hard, and I was like, you got me there. You know? <laughs> it was like one o God o God one will zero and. And then that's when I was like, all right, God, then, well, what do you want me to do? And uh, you met Logan, right? Logan, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. Uh, I was living at a trailer across the street here, and Logan was like, hey, I'm coming over. And it was like almost one in the morning. I'm like, okay, help yourself. I mean, <laughs> I about to go to bed, but okay. <laughs> he comes over, and, man, he was, I don't know what it was, but, the, you know, the spirit was just really speaking through him and uh, one of the things that he said was because this was like moments like maybe like a day before or day after when you know I had that conflict with the Lord like and, and him telling asking me that question mm. the day later Logan came over and 
he was like, you know where God wants you. Mm. And <laughs> I was like, scared me. I was like, I do know where he wants me. I was like, I just don't want it. And then, and he, Logan was affirming me and assuring me like, yeah, it's, if you know what the Lord wants. And he's like, you already, and he was like, you know, you tried to do your things your own way before. And that obviously didn't work. <laughs> It was it was mind blowing, and then moments later, maybe maybe like a couple of days later or so, another student, you know, gave me a ride to Walmart, and you know I just wanted to ride to Walmart, you know, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like I didn't want to have any deep talks, but anyways, the guy that drove me there, he, uh, you know, he parked and he just got in the car and he just he's turned off the car and he looked at me he's like Will what's wrong man I was like uh, here we go <laughs> and then what was blew my mind was you know I never really heard him say these things to me before a lot of mm. a lot of affirmation and he was like he was like man you know the Lord's been doing a lot of things through you here at IBC he's like yeah, I've been seeing the impact that you've been having on so many of these guys here and like, he was like, and I can see you working here. You know, it's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> it's like Laura was really just like, obviously pointing me here, and I'm just like looking to you all other ways. I don't want to go home, but. And then one day, uh, I finally chose to stop fighting it, mm. and I said, "All right, God." I, so I went to go talk to Josh Manning, and then Josh Manning had to go talk to the president, and it all started. Got interviewed, got yeah. on. But to say uh, the first month or so, uh, God has given me a, a, a way to explain how I struggled with this. So as a student, you got your glasses. And now that you're done being a student, you know how we always have we both have glasses, so you don't have to get a prescription every year. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now that my prescription as a student is done, now I have to get a new prescription for being a staff. Mm. And what was hard for me was, you know, when you put on your new prescription and how sharp it is and how hard your eyes are transitioning yeah, to yeah, yeah. adjusting to the new prescription. Mm. And it took me a while to see the vision. I struggled with it so hard to a point where I was like, I want to take these off. Like, mm. It's too much pressure. This is hard for me to handle. It's, you know, it's really hurting my eyes. And, and what was hurting was, because for a while, I think what really stuck out to me, what you said, was the first thing that you said was, self-doubt mm. I struggled with that so hard you know because you know I work alongside Josh Manning great man I agree and, yeah and I was same thing comparing myself to him I was like you can't be like Josh Manning I was like this dude's so gifted I got well knowledge a lot of wisdom a lot of really loving really caring and I'm like like, am I in the right position or am I even in the right place or am I, was I listening to the wrong voice? Mm, and yeah. So there was just a lot of things I was I was battling with and well wow. and it was 
And one thing that, you know, God just reminded me, because uh, I'd say with confidence and through Christ, it was, it was about maybe a month, maybe about a month ago, where I can finally say, or I am just trusting the Lord with what my, what he called me to do. Mm. And I feel like now, you know, through Christ, I'm able to, I finally adjusted to the, you know, the staff prescription glasses. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, uh, it was really, I like really shocking because, you know, I can see, you know, the pressure of the transitioning of, you know, a whole different thing. Mm. And that can be like anything, like someone going into a new ministry or they're transitioning out, going into a whole different place. And the transitioning and stuff was, the adjustment was the really challenging part. Mm. That, you know, I thought at first I was kind of like, yeah, it'll be all right. I can do it. But first weekend I was already struggling. I was like, ah. But, yeah, so that's what God's been revealing teaching me through all of this though. Wow. I will push back on one thing that you said. It's not God one, will zero. It's God one, will one, self and sinful nature, me, zero. Because that's the part of us, you know, Romans 7 is, is the sin that indwells in me that causes me to have self-doubt. It's the sin inside of me that says I can't do it and literally... I don't have the ability to. But it's okay to look at something and say, I don't know how, but then go about reasons of, or going about doing things to help you learn how to do it. You know, it's like the, the first time you do anything, it's not perfect, but you want to keep doing it because you want to get better at it. And with anything, you know, you talk about Josh Manning, and he is a good and godly man and somebody I respect. He didn't come out of the womb like that. He learned in his own way, and he would probably be the first one to say, I struggled, and I didn't know either. But he's gotten that wisdom over time, and those, all those scars are well-earned. And when you're first starting, that doesn't mean anything. It just means you're just starting. And, it, and all you're missing from that you know, journey now is just time on the road and the, and the scars from falling down and the wisdom that comes from falling down. And so that's you know, the, where he's at. Is just because he's uh, continued to be faithful and continue to trust the Lord. And, you know, I have the same kind of story where when I first started, I didn't know what I was doing. I was learning and I was trying to figure things out. But as I got older, it started to move in a more positive direction. And I started to see it through a certain lens because I was allowing the Word to wash me. I was allowing people who were other believers to help me and encourage me, and I, in turn, helping them so that it wasn't just a one-way street in that way. And uh, I, I owed a lot to the people who've been praying for me over the years. I know my mom and dad, well, my mom's gone now, but um, people like that have prayed for me and asking the Lord to intervene and to give me what I need and stuff like that. So anytime it's about maturity, it's never about, it's, it's never microwavable. You know, put this in, in 90 seconds, you'll have your meal, you know. Put your life in this for 90 seconds, and hey, you're a mature Christian now. And it just doesn't work that way. I think we as native people, and then there are people who work with the soil, understand that. You know, you don't plant the tree, the seed of the tree in the ground, and expect apples by the next day. 
that tree needs to grow. That tree needs to develop branches so that it can hold the fruit. It's it needs to develop a a thick trunk and a, and, and thick bark so that it can, can protect itself in the weather. You know, and it needs time to do all those things in order for it to eventually bear fruit. And you're in that position as well, as well as any other young person who's listening. To, to just understand that, you know, you, you're good. I'm glad you're wanting to do it. But to do it right and to do it well, you need time. And you need to be able to bounce back from the mistakes that we will make. Boy, I could tell you, well, oh, man, just the mistakes that I've made where I've opened my mouth and put my foot in, times where I said things that were inappropriate. And even in, you know, just trying to navigate some of these things, not really knowing what to do, but creating that space for God to work in me. And so I'm still here. The only thing I can claim in all this is that I've just stayed with it. And it's only been by the grace of God. It's only been because of the strength of God. And it's only been, you know, just the wisdom of God guiding me in those things that I haven't totally screwed my life up. And while we still have breath, you know, as, as young as you are and how as old as I am now, you know, that, that gap is real small because it's all dependent upon us following the leading of the Holy Spirit in that way. So that would be the only thing that I would push back on you in that way, because you're not losing. You didn't lose anything. It's the sinful self that lost. And every time that part of us loses, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because that's something that God's just been really, really thankful for, you know, that God's been teaching me that. And uh, kind of like what we were talking about before, uh, the podcast was, you know, God's been teaching me not to get too comfortable, you know. Yeah. And I was really thankful that God taught me that because it reminded me because I think as, uh, you know, as uh, walking with the Lord and, not, you know, it's been new to me and things are new. And the thing that blew my mind was, you know, I was kind of just reflecting and studying. It was my journal that I wrote, and uh, yeah, let me pull it. I'll just read it to you real quick. Get to it. But I wrote it around this morning. I was just journaling, and just really a time of reflection for me. But this is what I wrote, and then <clears throat> it says, "I am always blown away on how God always comes through." It is like anything that is inconvenient turns into God's deliverance. Lately, I've been struggling hard with mental health, my mental health, struggle so much with anxiety, a lot of a lot with fear, fed into lies like failure, not being good enough, ashamed, guilt, don't have the ability to lead. I want to be a godly father for my son, a godly brother to my brothers and sisters in Christ and just be a godly man for the Lord. Another thing that God has been teaching me is to not get too comfortable. Not once you hear Jesus say to the disciples, get comfortable for a bit. When Jesus was carrying the cross, it wasn't soft and it wasn't light. It was rugged and rough. When we are following the Lord daily, carrying the cross doesn't get easier. It doesn't get lighter, but sometimes it feels like it gets heavier. And that's a part of growth. It brings pain. Mm-hmm. All of us experience growing pains, 
and it is the same way as experiencing growing pains spiritually. It was this time last year I was in a, I was in a huge pickle and was afraid about what is going to happen after graduation. Mm. But here I am now. This wasn't inconvenient to God. He knew what was going to take place. And with that being said, God will always come through. All he wants you to do is remain faithful. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. That's amazing. That sounds like a song right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like, you know, it's just, I think what alluded a lot of that, you know, I was being my student life intern role. And one thing I was really thankful for, you know, Josh Manning, Kareen Esplan, and, you know, Christina and Lassie Lou, they're my uh, co-workers of the student life department, and they've just been encouraging me, and they've been pouring into me, and and reminding me that, you know, that this is where the Lord called you. And it just took me a while for me to really see the, you know, adjust to that prescription, like, yes, this is what God called me to do. Mm. And then going back to what we said in the beginning, this is what we get to do. Serve mm. the Lord in this way. That's right. Yeah. It's true. We get to do this. It's true. Yeah. But I tell you what, you know, it, it, it's in those moments. And one of the things that resonated with me, what, what you just said, is the fact that, you know, that, that the, the, the faithfulness that we have committed and the commitment that we have to it is what really God is looking at, you know. It, it's, we're not going to be perfect by any stretch, but the faithfulness of it and then the learning, because I learned that, and we're learning, and you've seen this probably, that we as Christians sometimes will get just enough knowledge to look good or to look okay. But the minute we start to show cracks in our armor or we show ourselves to be really human, we have two choices. And the first choice is the best choice because it's, you come clean. You know, it's like you say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I realize I don't, I don't got it and I need it from you. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And when we're confronted with our humanity, when we're confronted with our, you know, sinfulness and our sinful state, it should produce in us a humility and an understanding that, yeah, I'm just as capable of, the most evil and horrible things too, mm. if given the right opportunity. And that should humble us. That should bring us to the point of realizing, hey, I'm no different and no better than anybody else. But that's where the confidence comes from as well. You know, the fact that I can't do this, God, without you. And then when God comes through, you realize, hey, I'm just doing, I'm just being obedient. I'm just staying committed. I'm staying faithful to the call. And God's doing the work, even though he may have gifted me in this way or that way or whatever. He gets to do that. And that's the first response. That's the best response. But sometimes we're guilty as Christians in the second area in that we start to play the game, the Christian game. We start to, to, to be phony and we start to act like everything's fine. And we want to convince people that everything's fine for whatever reason because we don't want to look bad. We don't want to, look, want to look like we don't have it all together because then it's a reflection of Jesus. And I got news for people. You're not Jesus. Neither am I. 
we want to be like him, and that's ultimately the goal when that when that time comes. But in the middle of all that, in the middle of us doing that, if we start to fake it, that's when it becomes dangerous because now nobody knows who the real person is or they don't know if you really believe because you've been faking it for so long and, 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 and you know, faking like you know Jesus, faking like you're this really godly, holy person. And when in reality, all of us are bankrupt before God. All of us are in desperate need of God to intervene in our lives. And when we, if we don't understand that, now we're, now we're in a bad place because there's really nothing we can do to change that unless we come to God humbly and with an understanding. And something my grandpa, my dad's dad, my grandpa Richard Butler would always tell me sometimes, he said, wisdom should teach you silence. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, when you gain wisdom, that, does, that means you don't have to talk because your life is radiating that. Your life is showing that. It just becomes a part of who you are. So you don't have to tell people anything. They look at your life and they go, yeah, he's the real deal. She's the real deal because I'm seeing it in their life. And so character in that way, you start to follow Jesus and you start to see that part of it start to become who you are. And that is what makes a difference in people's lives. You're still pursuing holiness, but you're also understanding the, na the name of the game and the nature of what we have to deal with. And we're all sinful, and we need to be reminded of that, regardless of who we are. can't tell you how many leaders, native and non-native leaders, who just struggle with that because they think they have to be perfect. And so they're not taken in by despair. They're taken in by pride. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hey, I am all that. You know, yeah. how could God do this without me? You yeah. know, and that's and that's just a, a symptom of this, uh, the, the, of the sin of pride and the sin of self, mm. just elevating itself above everything else. Mm. When we should be like, you know, the publican and the Pharisee where he just says he beat his breast and said, Lord, forgive me a sinner. Mm. You know, I'm just a sinner, God. I need, I, need, I need your help. And once I start to understand that, God says, no, that's not who you are. This is who you are. And walk in the confidence of following me because I am your confidence. I am your strength. Yeah. I am your help. I am everything you need. So just relax. I got this. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard for all of us to do. Yeah. Because if that's the truth, then it'll start to give us that momentum to start affecting other lives. And that's something the Lord's given you here, Will. He's given you an opportunity to impact other lives. Mm -hmm. However, it may seem like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know if this is the right thing. Yeah, I'm, just, if I'm doing it right. Yeah. yeah and, and, but it's okay because God's measuring the faithfulness. And when we trust him, he's the one who gives us the ideas. He's the one who gives us the opportunity. He's the mm -hmm. one who gives us the, the strength to risk being rejected or told to go away by reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. And those people, most likely, you know, they'll have their own response and their own reason for doing that. Yeah. But that shouldn't deter us, and that allows us to see God mm -hmm. in a whole new level and allows us to have a more intimate relationship with Him. Mm. Yeah, that's, thank you, thank you, Dino. Appreciate that a lot. And, yeah, I think maybe this is a good podcast for whoever, you know, if you're in the beginning stages of, going into your ministry is something maybe this can encourage you and help you in this way but 
again, I just want to just take the time and just say thank you, Dino, for you know coming on here and you know sharing your thoughts and your wisdom and your knowledge with me and for the audience too. I just you know hope that you find something that is a, a gem, you know, a jewel, mm. a gold nugget, as many would say. <laughs> gold a good, nugget, yeah, yes. There's a gold nugget in there somewhere for you, and, and yeah, it's just something. Uh, the Lord has been teaching me, and I hope something it will take away for you guys on the other side. So, any uh, final words for you, Dino? Or? Well, again, you know, we're starting up Broken in a Bible Ranch summer camp, so, you know, let people know that we're going to be starting. And if anybody wants to work, to contact us there through Broken in a Bible Ranch. Uh, we're on Instagram as well as uh, uh, on the uh, we're on YouTube now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so YouTube, we're on yeah, different yeah. different places and different things to show. But uh, I'm open and ready to talk to anybody if they want to get a hold of me through you, Will. If they want to contact you, hey, I want to talk to Dino. Feel free. You know, I'd yeah. love to talk to young native leaders, anybody for that matter, and to talk about what God is doing mm-hmm. and how we can help in that way. And the last thing I want to say is, you know, if not for the for the love of God and the strength that He gives, and for His grace and mercy in my life, I would probably be dead or in jail. And he's used people who have been instrumental in my life to help me along. And chief among those are my mom and my dad, my older brother, who's still my hero. I mean, we're old men now, but he's still my hero. Um, My grandpa, Richard Butler. My dad has been a a, a tremendous role model as well. But also uh, my wife, Nanette, has been with me every step of the way. Now, there's a woman who's way more godly than I am and uh, who sticks by me through thick and thin and my two boys who are showing me, um, you know, what it means to follow Jesus in the here and now in the 21st century and just drawing inspiration and strength from them because I know that I was young once and seeing them follow Christ and everything that they're doing has just been a tremendous, tremendous blessing to me. And I'm glad. I'm really grateful to the Lord for my boys. And for everybody who's had the privilege to be a part of Broken Arrow Bible Ranch and my uh humble participation in their lives and thankful for how they've impacted my life and for the thousands of lives that they've been able to impact over the years since I've been there. They'll they'll always be my people and I'll always be a part of them. You know, the old adage, once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah. Once a Broken Arrow staff, always a Broken Arrow staff. So I'm just so grateful to every one of them and how they've, you know, impacted my life and how God has impacted their life through Mm -hmm. the years. So... Thank you again, Will, for letting me come on your podcast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I can, uh, uh, I can. If you could send me those links, I could put them in the description. That way, they can just click on it. Oh, excellent! I'll do that. Yeah. All right, guys. So, thank you once again for listening. Tune in next week. We'll be talking about a recap of ministry immersion ship that we took to South Dakota. Uh, A lot of things happened in there, and stay tuned. Next week, we'll be informing and updating you guys what happened then but for now i just want to say thank you for listening and see you guys next time bye